Praise the Lord. Let's stand and begin to worship the Lord and enter into his presence. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 My, 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 ha. Die kalarorobo korata tabahaya. Die kalarotalarata tabahaya. Sikie kiela bahaya laratalorotabokosi. Shitie kalarotalarata tahaya. Die la bahaya lorodobo korata tatabahaya. Tie kala rota hai. Tie kabaha sahai. Alarororobokurata tababahai. Tie kie kala rota larata tatabahai. Tie la bokurata tabahai. Alarororobokurata tatabahai. Tie kie kala rota tatahai. Ye kababohosi kie tatia nananahaye. Hallelujah. Yamahasatabahaya. Yamahasatabahaye bie katieta siya. Ye kie laborota la rararabote tie kahaya. Ye kie larota rararatie kahaya. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Ye kiela bahaya la 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 bokoratata bahaya. Ye la ratata da baba bakahaya la ratata tiesasi. Ye kiela bahaya. Ye kiela la 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 bahaya la 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 bokosata bahaya. Ye kiela maya la ratata la 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 bahasata bahaya. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Yeah, mama has Hallelujah.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Praise God. You may be seated. This is, uh, as you know, I'm sure, the last session. So if you will permit me, there's a couple of things, a couple of areas I just want to spend a few minutes on just to try to uh, tie up some loose ends before I begin to uh, go into the areas that the Lord has directed me this evening. I did not get a chance to finish the uh, Matthew 6 warfare dominion prayer. So let, let me just, just for a couple of minutes, just touch on a couple of things. Uh, again, our Father, who's over everything, He's in heaven. We're praying for people. We're, we're commanding the name of Jesus to be manifested so that it can be sanctified in the hearts of people. We're commanding the kingdom of God to come into manifestation, demonstration, the authority and the power of the kingdom to be exercised. And uh, we are speaking the will of God as it's already purposed in heaven into manifestation and fulfillment in the earth. Those are three very key elements of exercising the kingdom of God. And I, I repeat uh, myself for those that were here, and some of you will hear it for the first time, that it's not a prayer that we repeat. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. No, 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 no. That's not what that is. It's not a it's not a written prayer to read or repeat. It is teaching the manner of prayer. Jesus was teaching after this manner pray ye. He didn't say quote this. He didn't say repeat it multiple times as uh vain repetition. And so those, those elements there are all very critical for speaking and manifesting the kingdom of God in the earth. The rest of that prayer is, are prayers of protection. For instance, Matthew 6, uh, after that prayer, Jesus says to us as sons of the Father, we don't have to pray for what we're going to eat. Then why would he tell us to pray, give us this day our daily bread? Isn't that a contradiction? Not at all. As a child of the Father, it is his commitment as my Father to provide for me. But as a warrior in his army, the Bible says no man goes to war at his own charges. And the most powerful army in existence can be defeated if you can cut off its supply lines. So when we're praying, 
give us this day our daily bread, we are, we are praying prayers of protection over the supply lines of God's army. And again, when you look at the three patterns of prayer, in the first pattern of prayer, you deal with your sins immediately. In the second pattern of prayer, you deal with the roots of your sins after you've humbled yourselves and prayed and sought his face. In this pattern of prayer, sin, my sin is almost an afterthought. Because what I am taught to pray is, forgive us our debts as we forgive others. Why is that? Because Paul said in uh, 2 Corinthians 2, that when we do not forgive, we give Satan the advantage over us. So the reason sin is dealt with in this manner in the prayer Jesus was teaching his disciples is because it is assumed that you've already learned how to deal with your personal sin. So your personal sin is not as critical here because you're already dealing with it. What the Lord is focused on is Us not allowing any grudges in our hearts because the adversary has a right to use your grudges to defeat you in spiritual warfare. So what we are praying is Forgive us our sins, our debts, as we forgive. As we forgive. Because we need to be free from grudges. When you're casting out devils, there are occasions... When that devil will not come out. And when you're inexperienced, you assume, I must be doing something wrong. No. Paul warned against us having a root of bitterness that would defile many. And when someone is demon-possessed... And they have a grudge. That spirit has a right to hold on to those grudges, the roots of those grudges, and not come out. When I choose not to forgive, I am giving the devil authority to torment and bind my life. But, but brother right, you don't know what they did to me. I don't know about what they did to you, but I know what you're doing to you. When you don't forgive, you're doing worse to you than anything somebody else could have ever done to you. 
Because how somebody has treated me doesn't give the devil power over me. But my attitude and and decision to not forgive does give the devil power over me. So you tell me which is more important to you. To hold the grudge because of what somebody's done and, and become the victim of Satan. Or to forgive and have victory and be free. So that's what we're praying for. And then, of course, uh, lead us uh, not into temptation, deliver us from the one. How does that go? Yes, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In the Greek, it's not from evil. It is from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So we are praying a prayer of protection over ourselves and our families and those that we're involved with so that he cannot defeat us. So that we will have the wisdom and spiritual sensitivity to discern his efforts to tempt and cause us to fall into sin. And then finally, this last phrase, no, this last phrase is so very critical. It sounds like just words to fill out a prayer. But the importance of this last phrase and the importance of praying this is, it is your motive check. Because it is my confession Of why I'm involved in warfare. Whose glory am I seeking? Who am I doing this for? God or me? For thine is the kingdom. The power. The glory forever. And let me tell you something. To God. Why you're doing something is almost more important than what you're doing. Because if you do the right thing with a wrong motive, it is no more acceptable to God than the person that does nothing. So you got one person that refuses to do the right thing, And you got another person that does the right thing for the wrong motive. And in God's eyes, one is no better or worse than the other. The person that does the right thing for the wrong motive is no more credited with obedience than the one who did nothing. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 1.29 says... No flesh shall glory in his presence. No flesh should glory in his presence. Now let me explain to you what that means. The word glory literally means opinion. Figuratively it means to boast. When I'm 
when I'm telling God or others my opinion of God, and I'm boasting in the Lord, not about me, but about what God has done, we call that glorifying God. But when I do or don't do spiritual things so that I can affect people's opinion of me, I am glorying in the presence of God. For instance, one of the easiest places, and God bless you, I, I, I'm a musician and my, I, I like, love to sing. My wife and I sing together and we have for 47 years now. So I'm not criticizing either musicians or singers. But do you know how easy it is to take natural talent and sing and play, and in your heart of hearts, you're wanting people to praise you about how good you are. You know what you just did? You took God's glory, and that is one of the greatest offenses you can ever commit against God. Or you preach to impress people. Or you pray so people can hear you pray. And you're thinking about, what do they think of me? Aren't I spiritual? Listen to me pray. <laughs> do you understand at that point? <laughs> it would be, it'd be bad enough if God just ignored what you did. But when your motive for what you're doing is to get praise for self. Now what you're doing becomes a stench in the nostrils of God. I can't overstate it. I cannot. It is not possible to overstate this. Or how about this? You're sitting in the audience. There's a, there's a move of God, but people really aren't responding. And, and you jump up and run so people will think you're spiritual. You'd have been better off sitting there with your mouth shut. Because if you get up and run or dance or shout or jump, hoping people will see you and think how spiritual you are, you've just, your flesh has just touched his glory. Or how about this one? People are worshiping God all around you and you're sitting not moving a muscle. Cause you're, you don't want to do anything because there might be somebody that would think you're foolish looking. There is somebody that would think, if you're thinking like that, there is somebody that thinks you're foolish looking. You. And by refusing to respond, you are glorying in his presence because other people's opinion of you and your own opinion of you is more important than pleasing God. Or how about this? You're a great worshiper till you bring a visitor to church. 
You believe in worshiping God till you bring a visitor to church. And then you sit there there by that visitor and you act like the visitor and you don't act like everybody else. You just told that visitor, there's something wrong with these folks. Because I agree with you. I'm not acting like that. You just encouraged them to be lost because you just told them you were a hypocrite. Because you're going someplace you don't agree with. But you don't have a visitor here. Boy, you're in the big middle of it. If you worship differently when you have a visitor than when you don't, you are glorying in the presence of God. Praise God. I just wanted to touch those last few things on that prayer. (laughs) Because it was important for you to hear that. Okay? Those things are not about the power part. The power part is the part we were able to cover in in the session the other day. If you weren't here, obviously it's all online and you can watch it. The last part is the protection for the warrior. All protection for the warrior. Why? Because the power part is so powerful. You, you've got to close every, every door that the adversary could use. Every door. Praise God. I just wanted to share that, and uh, we will um, we will move on here. Okay. Praise God. Now, I just I got I got a little bit of something here. This is going to sound tonight's going to seem on the surface to be a little bit disjointed, but it's really not. It's really all tied together. If you would. Wait till the end and you look back over it and go, wait, wait, that's, that really was uh, tied together. So, um, th- there's a point that I've made a couple of times that I need to make again. Okay. I, I, I just wrote this down and it's, and, and I, I've read it a couple of times in the last day or so since I really wrote it down and, and wow, I, it's just, it gets bigger every time I read through it again. I want to talk about, for just a few minutes, the elements of warfare. The elements of warfare. Spiritual warfare is much more akin to ancient warfare than wars fought by modern methods. Spiritual warfare is very personal and is personally fought face-to-face with the enemy. That's the way all wars used to be fought. We would call it today hand-to-hand combat. There essentially was nothing else but hand-to-hand combat. I know big armies would have a company of archers and all that kind of stuff. 
But archers didn't win wars. All that archers could do would be eliminate a few people. All wars were won and lost in hand-to-hand combat. Wars are won by defeating armies. Armies are defeated by winning battles. Battles are won by winning conflicts. Conflicts are encounters or engagements between combatants. Units fight because each individual in the unit is actively participating in the conflict. Therefore, to win a war, get this now, Wars are won by defeating armies. Armies are defeated by winning battles. Battles are won by by winning conflicts or the actual firefight or engagement between forces. And units fight in these conflicts. And units fight because each individual in the unit actively participates in the conflict. Therefore, to win a war... Each individual soldier must fight and win against the enemy in front of them at that moment. Man to man, face to face. Somebody tweeted a comment I made today. It was pretty simplistic when I said it. And it sounded a whole lot more simplistic as a tweet. I see devils, I fight devils. I know, I understand, I can explain, I can stand here tonight and explain to you about principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and wicked spirits. But all of that is nice theory. The only thing that matters to me is if there's a devil in front of me, whether regardless of what it is, I got to fight that devil because that's my conflict. And if each one of us in the army fights the individual fight that we have, if we win those individual fights, then our army wins and we win the war. But if you don't fight, guess what happens? You don't fight and the one that you should be fighting now gangs up with another one against your brother. And when churches don't war, then whole armies of the enemy gang up with other armies against another church. Because your church didn't war. But if everybody does their part, it is so much easier to win. It's so much easier to win. <laughs> All battles are a series of engagements containing attacks and counterattacks. Individuals who conclude that their personal involvement in warfare is inconsequential just left numerous enemies free to gang up on his or her fellow soldiers. Units or churches who are uninvolved in spiritual warfare leave entire enemy units unengaged and free to attack the other units or churches who are engaged. This is a continuation of the principle that we are our brother's keeper. Ask any 
combat soldier. And they will tell you that in the moment of the greatest conflict, when the danger's greatest because the weapons are going off all around you, they are not primarily fighting for the cause or the mission, but for the brother who is beside them. So we have a mission. And we have a cause. But in the midst of the hottest and heaviest times of spiritual warfare, we're not really at that moment fighting for the cause or mission. We're fighting for our brother. And our brother's fighting for us. Because two are better than one and a three-fold cord is not easily broken. And so when we can join together, a lot of times in those ancient wars, uh, uh, men that were close to each other would get back to back so that the enemy couldn't sneak up on, on, on their back, back. And that's where the phrase came, I've got you back. It's awesome when you've got somebody you can trust that's got your back and you've got their back so you can fight and you don't have to worry about the enemy ambushing you. I know there's a couple of you. I'm so happy you're here, but it's the first session you've been in, and this sounds like a bunch of far-out stuff to you. Ha, ha, ha. Isn't this funny? Well, let me tell you what's about to happen. You keep making fun of this, and when we begin to pray, and you're the one not praying, it's not going to go well for you. Because you're the one that's going to end up being the victim. I'm not trying to be unkind. But we've had hungry people in these meetings. And this is the first time we've got some curious folks who aren't here because they're hungry. They're here just to see and hear what's going on so you can make, so you can form your opinion of this. Let me tell you what you can do with your opinion. Keep it to yourself because I could care less about it. And you're doing yourself a disservice if you share your opinion with the person on either side of you because you're going to make them a victim just like you. I'm not trying to be unkind. The problem is I'm telling you the truth. Just because you can't see what's going on in this spiritual atmosphere doesn't mean there aren't things going on in this spiritual atmosphere. And let me tell you something right now. If there's any place in Asia right at this moment that's got the enemy's attention, you're there. I'm going to say that again. If there's any place in Asia at this moment right now that's got the enemy's attention, it's this place right here right now. Praise God. That's enough of that. All right. Let me, uh, I just want to talk to you a little bit. How real is all this, Brother Wright? How real is it? I received the Holy Ghost at age 12. 
My dad was in the Navy. I went to seven different schools by the time I graduated high school at 18. I lived in six different states in the United States by that time. And uh, when I received the Holy Ghost, we were living in Jacksonville, Florida, which has a large naval, U.S. naval presence in that area. And uh, that's the only church I ever attended where the adults did not pray for the lost in the altar. That if someone came to the altar to receive the Holy Ghost, the young people were the altar workers. I didn't, I didn't think it was strange at the time. I didn't know enough to know it was strange. But I've never been in a church like it before or since. So I received the Holy Ghost on the Sunday night after my 12th birthday. And the next Sunday night, I was in the altar praying for people to receive the Holy Ghost. So at a very young age, I, I quickly learned how to personally pray for people to receive the Holy Ghost. Because I thought that was normal. And I found out it wasn't hard. So, throughout the rest of my time in school, I, I prayed for people in, in the, to, to receive the Holy Ghost, and they did. And then I went to the Naval Academy, and there was no church there. I was the only one there that uh, uh, believed the truth, and I witnessed the people, and there were guys that wanted to get the Holy Ghost, get baptized, and I prayed for them, and they got the Holy Ghost. And then I, be- I-, I got out of the Navy and became an evangelist, and we traveled around over the, the country for about 10 months, and uh, at every church we went into, I prayed for people, and they got the Holy Ghost. In fact, my 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 normal pattern was when I when I would start at a church, I would ask the pastor who it was that had been seeking for the Holy Ghost the longest and hadn't got it, and that's the person I would pray through first. And some had been seeking for the Holy Ghost 20 years, and some 30 years, and some longer, and they got the Holy Ghost every time. So I knew how to pray for people to receive the Holy Ghost. So on September the 12th, 1970, my wife and I drive into the city limits of Annapolis, Maryland, just the two of us. There was nobody waiting on us to help us. There were no helpers. There was nobody but just the two of us. I had never pastored before. As I said today, she had been raised in a minister's home. But I had not. All I knew how to do was witness and pray for people to receive the Holy Ghost. I hadn't even been preaching that long. But we went to build a church. Well, guess what? We were there 14 months and couldn't pray anybody through the Holy Ghost. In my entire lifetime, I'd never experienced that. We had a a backslider. He was in the United States Marine Corps stationed in our area. And... uh, He wanted to pray back through. And we prayed for him and prayed for him and prayed for him in our city. And he could not get the Holy Ghost. We took him to a rally service. And you don't know what that is, probably, I'm sure. But that's when there's plenty of churches around. And they get together once a month or so and have a special service. Well, I took him to this other church where other uh, several churches would be gathered. And he received the Holy Ghost in that service in just a few moments. 
And I'd been praying and praying and praying for him in our church, and he couldn't get the Holy Ghost. Now, if I didn't have so much experience at praying people through, I'd have thought I was failing somehow. But I knew how to pray for people to receive the Holy Ghost, and they did. But it wasn't happening. And we had another lady that was brand new to Pentecost that we knocked on her door and witnessed to her and taught her, taught her the Bible and she wanted the Holy Ghost and we prayed and prayed and prayed for her to receive the Holy Ghost and she didn't receive it. And there was a seminar over in Virginia, which is a neighboring state that a man was going to, was teaching people how to receive the Holy Ghost. And my wife and I took this lady over there and she received the Holy Ghost that night in just a few minutes. But we could not pray her through in our city, in our building. I didn't know what was wrong. I'd never heard anything about spiritual warfare. I'd never, I was 25 years old at the time, almost 26. I'd never heard anything about spiritual warfare. I didn't know anything about devils and principalities and powers. I'd never heard anything like that at all. But I knew this. Something was wrong in my city because people couldn't get the Holy Ghost there. I don't remember how, but I I got a hold of a tape by Brother Billy Cole. And he gave his testimony about being a missionary in Thailand. And how they had baptized a bunch of denominal preachers, like 452 if I'm not mistaken, all in Jesus' name, and not one of them had received the Holy Ghost. And there were a, a lot of church members that they baptized in Jesus' name, and nobody had received the Holy Ghost. And Brother Cole said on this, this uh, cassette tape, he said that he prayed and asked God what was wrong. And the Lord told him, you have not defeated the prince of Thailand. So his wife, just the two of them, his, he and his wife prayed and fasted for seven days and interceded. And on the seventh day, they bound and defeated the prince of Thailand and loosed an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And according to his testimony, in the very next meeting, all of those preachers received the Holy Ghost. Well, I gotta be honest with you, I never heard anything like this in my life. I've been in Pentecost all my life. I never heard any such thing as that. I never heard anybody preach about that, talk about that. That was like hearing a message from Mars. I, I, that was as about as far out as you could get. But Billy Cole was pretty well known, and so I thought I'd go to the Bible and study for myself to see if there was any chance what he was saying was true. So I did. And guess what? Every scripture he quoted was there. And everything he said about those scriptures is what the Bible said. Well, my first reaction, I was a little mad that the men who had been preaching to me had completely failed to educate me on one of the most important things I could learn. But I quickly got over being mad, decided I'd do something about it. The last weekend of November... Week of November 1971, there was my wife and I and a couple other people that lived in the area that had moved to the area that were Pentecostals. Most of them didn't stay very long, but they were there. 
There were seven of us. And we had a finished attic in our house. And since many of you live in apartments, you may not know what that what that is, but whatever. It was an upstairs area that we used for prayer. And uh, the seven of us met there every night for seven nights, and we fasted. Water, no food, straight through seven days. And we met every evening for prayer. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I was waiting on. I didn't know what to pray. I didn't know anything. I just know this worked for Thailand and Brother Cole and God's no respecter of persons. And it's in the Bible. So here we are. We're doing it. On the seventh night, the Lord manifested himself in that room. And his presence came all over us. And there was a great spirit of authority that came on me. And I spoke things I'd never even thought in my life. I said things out loud I'd never read, never heard, didn't know anything about. I bound the prince of the city of Annapolis. And commanded him to loose the lost souls of that city. I bound the blindness that he put on their hearts and lives. And commanded that blindness to loose them. I Ready now? I, lo- I, I thought about what I prayed later and I went, whoa, I hope that's okay. I loosed the Holy Ghost and the angels of God. To go through forth throughout our city and gather together a harvest for the name of Jesus. I loosed the Holy Ghost to lead us to the hungry and lead the hungry to us. I loosed an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in our city. I bound the devil from preventing anybody else from receiving the Holy Ghost. I never heard such stuff as that in my whole life, Brother Corbin. Brother Cole didn't give any details. But that spirit of authority came on me. And I'm praying stuff. I'm going, whoa, can you say this stuff? Is this okay? But oh, let me tell you something. There was such a witness of God in that room. Well, that was a Friday. On Sunday, there were people in service that didn't have the Holy Ghost. And there was boldness that rose up. And I said, you want the Holy Ghost tonight? You come forward. Three people came up to the front. Just like that. All three of them received the Holy Ghost. This is December. Now, I don't know about December here. But at home, December is holiday season. And everybody is of the opinion that nothing spiritual can happen in the holidays. But here we are. It's holiday season, and we just had three people get the Holy Ghost, and we'd never had anybody get the Holy Ghost since we drove into town. Nobody had ever received the Holy Ghost in our building. That month, we prayed through 11 people and baptized nine after having nobody get the Holy Ghost. Our church almost tripled counting kids that came with those families. 
in one month. And I step back from that and I go, whoa. I guess that worked, didn't it? I guess that's really true. It really worked. For three years straight, we had people get baptized and get the Holy Ghost every month. And when we were only 14 months old when that started, and we started with two people, that was a major miracle. There weren't any churches around at Pentecostal churches around that was anything like that was happening. This is amazing. Well, we went about three years and all of a sudden it got hard to pray for people to receive the Holy Ghost. People weren't getting the Holy Ghost again. And I'm going, oh, oh God, what's going on here? What is this all about? And we prayed and prayed and finally he said to me, your city has three seats of government in it. It's got city government and, and our states are divided up into counties. And, and we had our county government there. And then we had our state government all in that city. And the Lord said, you're now dealing with the prince of Anne Arundel County. Well, guess what? We knew what to do. But it was a little longer battle than seven days. It was several months of praying and binding and loosing. And then it broke. And we had an evangelist come. And in two weeks, we prayed 35 people through the Holy Ghost. And then a couple of months later, we had another evangelist come. And in three weeks, we prayed over 50 through the Holy Ghost. And I'm going, whoa, this really does work. And so for several years there, it was just amazing. Constantly, people get the Holy Ghost, get baptized all the time. And then in, in late, in the last half of 78 and all of 79, you go to church, you felt like you were choking to death. You couldn't hardly breathe. Nobody, you couldn't hardly get visitors to come to church. Nobody was getting the Holy Ghost. And now, okay, what's going on? So we were binding and loosing and we bound and loosed for months on end. We did spiritual warfare for month after month. Almost the entire year of 1979, we did spiritual warfare. And in the last week of November, 1979, I had a dream. And in this dream, we had this little church building. And I came in the front doors of the church in this little foyer area. And in that foyer, there was a six-foot-long snake about this big around. And he had this strange black and gold pattern on him. And in the dream, I knew I'd seen that pattern, but I couldn't remember what it was in the dream. And I got around that snake because I don't like snakes. 
And I got around that snake and went in the auditorium. And when I got down to the front in the altar area where we prayed for people, there were two other snakes just like the big one in the altar area. And I got around those two snakes and there were two small offices in the back of that church. And I went over to this office. I don't know how in the dream I knew there were brethren in there, but there were. And I went back there. There was four of them. In the dream, I don't know who three of them was, but one of them was named Ron Richards, who is in our church to this day. And I said, Ron, in the dream, Ron, we've got snakes in our church. Come help me get them. Well, I'd never heard anything about this, and you may never have either. But in Texas, they'll do uh, rattlesnake harvests. And they catch the rattlesnakes and put them in a burlap sack. And they will sell them to restaurants who cook and serve rattlesnake meat. I know, I know, I know. I'm told it tastes like chicken. I don't know because I have no interest whatsoever in tasting it. I'd ne- but at the time, I'd never heard of anything about this. But Ron knew there was a little closet in that office. He said, just a minute, brother, right? He went in that closet and pulled out a burlap sack. What was a burlap sack doing in that closet? I don't know about that. And I don't know what he's going to do with a burlap sack. He said, come on, let's get these snakes. So we went in the altar area. He handed me the sack. He said, here, hold it open. And he reached down and grabbed each one of those snakes and put it in the sack. And we tied a knot in it. And then we went out to the foyer to get the big snake. It's only been about three years ago that I read that what we did in the dream in 1979 is really possible to do. I just thought it was figurative in the dream. But I have read that it really is possible, literally. But in this dream, we went in the foyer, he reaches down and grabs that snake right behind the head. I don't know how I knew what to do, there was no communication I picked that snake up by the tail and popped him like it was a whip. And when I did, his head flew off. And when his head flew off, I woke up. And when I woke up, I remember where I saw that black and gold pattern. Because the state flag of Maryland is Lord Baltimore and the Calvert family's crests in opposite corners. Red and white. Crest, family crest, and black and gold. And of course, the city of Baltimore is named after Lord Baltimore of the Calvert family that the, that the King of England had given them a land grant that was Maryland. And if you took a diagonal swath out of that black and gold crest, that was the pattern on that snake. And when I woke up, I instantly knew that that was from the Maryland state flag. And the Spirit of the Lord said to me, I have given you dominion over the Prince of Maryland for this church. Okay. What now? Well, it didn't seem like anything changed right away. 
But my dad, who had gotten baptized three months before I was born, in 1945, had never received the Holy Ghost. He and my mother were visiting for Christmas. And the last day of December, last Sunday of December, 1979, my dad got the Holy Ghost in our church. Well, I should, I didn't realize what a sign that was of God's favor. But it was the weirdest thing. In January, we come to church on Sunday morning. We don't have anything special going on. It's January. It's winter time. The weather's unpredictable. You don't plan stuff in January. You just hope you can go to church because there's no snow keeping you from it. Because trust me, you've seen the pictures. Forget pictures. When snow is this deep, you don't drive through that because it's hard to stay on the road. So we cancel service because we don't want anybody getting killed. They shut down schools, all of that. So we didn't have anything special going on. We show up for church for the first Sunday of January. We've got visitors Showing up, we don't know where they come from. Our seats are full. The next service, we got so many people coming to church, we had to put chairs out in the aisle. There was only enough space in our single aisle for one person to walk in a chair's width down the middle. The next Sunday, we had to fill the altar up with chairs. The fourth Sunday of January, If you got to church late, guess where you sat? The only place in the building left where there was any room. We just brought Saner Center up to the platform. Because there was no place else for them to sit. And the only thing that was left was about a 10 foot round area behind the pulpit where I could stand and preach because the place was packed with people. And people were getting the Holy Ghost and getting the Holy Ghost. We had an evangelist scheduled. We moved out of that little building into a gymnasium that we rented for church. Just like you. We had church Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Every service, we sat up 900 chairs. We rolled out carpet for an altar area. We had an old mourner's bench. And you may not want know what that is, but in the open time Pentecostal churches, you had a bench with no back on it. You could kneel at it and pray, and we had one of those. We, we had a portable platform we put carpet on. We set up the organ, the Leslie, the drums, uh, all of that stuff. Every service and took it down every service. For 11 weeks, five times a week. And prayed through 405 people in that 11-week revival. And baptized 397 in that 11-week revival. In 1980, we had a total of 500 And 51 people received the Holy Ghost in 1980. 
1981, we moved again. We rented a 10,000 square foot warehouse. That would, we set up chairs that would hold over a thousand people. The air conditioning for that warehouse was three large garage doors that we opened because there was no other air conditioning. And in that warehouse that we bought the cheapest carpet we could find and rolled on the floor and we painted the exposed ceiling just like you did. We just painted it, painted the walls and ceiling. That was it. 900 chairs and a platform. And we prayed through 1,034 people in one year. Does spiritual warfare work? You say, really? Yes. To this day, I've got the cards, the names and addresses of every person that received the Holy Ghost. And or was water baptized. 1,585 people total. 551 and 1,034 in two years. Two years after the Lord said, I've given you dominion over the Prince of Maryland for this church. Oh, all of a sudden, this isn't just some weird thing we're talking about is it no it's not and remember when we defeated the prince of the Lord gave us victory over the prince of Annapolis that was seven days when he gave us prince victory over the prince of Anne Arundel County that was two three months something like that I don't remember exactly when he gave us dominion over the prince of Maryland, we've been doing warfare 11, 12 months. Every day somebody was praying warfare. Every day somebody was buying and losing because it was war. It was the, uh, we had two Revival, revivals, series of services scheduled in 81. The second one, uh, it started on October the 13th, Sunday morning, October the 13th, 1981. I was up early that day. It was probably 4.30 or 5, and I was praying. And, and there was a significant angelic presence that moved into that room. I'm praying in my family room and trying to be quiet, not to disturb my family, my wife and my sons. And, uh, but there was, a, there was an authority that came. And, and, and I, I wasn't even thinking about it. It wasn't something I was doing, but I was praying in tongues with authority. And uh, and I, I was doing like this with my arm. And I, I don't even know why I was doing it. I just, I was doing it. I just, I, I, I was doing it without even realizing I was doing it till I, I real. I, what am I doing? I don't know, but I'm going to keep doing it because it felt good. <laughs> and I kept praying. And there was such an authority. And 
I didn't realize that I was seeing something because everything in my field of vision was dark. So I thought I wasn't seeing anything. But as I kept doing that, all of a sudden, this, what I thought was nothing, darkness, it moved back and it was like a huge cloud of darkness. Because now there's a space between me and that darkness. Now there's light on this side of that darkness, but that darkness had moved away. Well, guess what? I'm really inspired to pray now. And yeah, I am praying in tongues and I'm, I'm giving it this and, 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 and God's working. I was not prepared for what I saw next. All of a sudden, that mass of darkness disappeared behind these huge ancient looking walls and the most massive ancient gates I'd ever seen in my life. And I remember thinking in my mind, because I'm praying in tongues and I'm not stopping this. I go, whoa, what is going on here? I mean, this dream is getting strange, more and more strange. And uh, I mean, these, this, this cloud this of darkness moved away from me, and then it was driven by the presence of God and the angels of the Lord as I was praying, and I sensed that I wasn't praying alone. I was one of people praying. I didn't hear anybody else praying, but I knew I wasn't praying by myself. And and and, and those of us, who was whoever was praying, our prayers had driven those spirits inside the gates. Now Jesus said, Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. Now, in my growing up in Pentecost, this is the this was the attitude that preachers had. This was it. Oh, God's promised us that the devil can't uh, can't attack us and win. Well, let me tell you something. I've studied a little bit about warfare. Went to school for it, actually. And I've never in history heard of anybody using gates as an offensive weapon. So when he said the gates of hell shall not prevail, he didn't say the devil can't attack us and hurt us because God's going to protect us. That's not what that verse says. When he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, guess who's on offense? It's not the devil. It's the church. Guess who's on defense? It's not the church. It's the devil. Well, all of a sudden in this vision, while I'm praying, I don't know that they're the only gates. The Lord said gates plural. So is there one set or a set in every region or area? I don't know. All I knew was I was looking at a set of gates of hell. And, and what was really amazing was, all of a sudden I realized I, it looked like I was on some kind of platform because I was looking kind of down at an angle toward the path leading up to those gates. And in front of me, out on the, on, on the, on the, the road, 
there was this large tree. It must have been this big around. And it, and it, all the limbs had been cut off of it. And on the end of it, uh, the, the, the end of it had been carved into a point. And all along both sides of that tree, these rods, thick rods had been st- stuck into the sides of that big tree. It could have been a thousand men. I don't know. That was a big tree. But there were a large number of men who got on those, those rods all down both sides of that tree and picked it up and it became a battering ram. And in my mind as I'm praying in tongues and I come down with my arm and I say in Jesus name, that battering ram is hitting those gates. I don't know how long it went on. I wasn't checking my watch. I don't know if it was real time I was seeing in the dream or if it was figurative time or whatever. All I know is I prayed for a long time and I said in Jesus' name a lot of times and that battering ram hit those gates a lot of times and it appeared as though nothing was happening. But we didn't get discouraged. Nobody was discouraged. We just kept ramming that battering. That old big old tree just slammed in those gates. I don't know how long it was. But all of a sudden, without knowing which time it was going to be, that battered ram hit those gates and there was a loud crack. So now we're all inspired and there's renewed energy and they start slamming that big old tree into the side of those gates harder and over and over again. And we were doing it in Jesus name, in Jesus name. And I'm praying in tongues. My wife had to be hearing me now because I'm sure I was really loud. The problem was The gates were designed to fold outward. And like all ancient gates like that, when they were closed, they would put a a huge timber across them to keep you from opening them either way. So the frame of the gates was preventing the gates from moving inward. And they couldn't be moved outward because of this large timber on the back of them. But something was breaking. And after that first loud pop, every time we'd slam into the, those gates, there would be another loud crack. We'd, and there was no way of knowing which one was going to be the final one. That's the point I'm getting across to you. You don't know which prayer is going to be the one to finalize the victory. You don't know which day that's going to happen. You don't know which occasion of binding and loosing is the one that's going to finish the war. So you keep doing it because it's Bible and because we're faithful and you keep doing it and you keep doing it. So there was one of those times finally we hit it and those gates broke inward and you could see just a little crack between the two. When I tell you I was not prepared for what happened next, I'm telling you... If I thought I was shocked when that cloud of darkness disappeared behind those gates, what happened next was, I I, I have a hard time describing it to this day. 
Because when those gates finally broke loose of whatever that bar was, all of a sudden they just burst wide open. And my first thought was, we didn't do that. We're trying to break them in. Why would they fly open? And then I could see. Because I was on this elevated platform or something, I could see in the gates. And as far as I could see in those gates, there was mass of humanity all facing the gates. And they were cram-packed, pressed up against those gates. And the, uh, every one of them had the same exact spre- expression in their face. Hopelessness, helplessness, despair. Like they never dreamed they would ever have a chance to be free. And when those gates broke inward, the pressure of that mass of humanity. I've never seen a crowd like that in my life. As far as I could see inside those gates, I couldn't see anything else but people as far as the eye could see. And they were all facing the gates. Therefore, they were all facing where I could see their faces. And they were all pressed up against each other. I don't even know how they were breathing. They were so pressed against each other. But at the moment that pressure burst those gates out open, now that they were broken, there was just a slight moment's hesitation when nobody moved. But then, oh my, those people that were standing at the, at the line where the gate was, where the plane of the gate was, the press behind them pushed them through that plane, therefore, out of those gates. And when they crossed that line where those gates had been, every single one of them did the same thing. They started jumping and leaping and shouting. And their faces changed to this huge smile and glow. And they started screaming, We're free! We're free! We're free! We're free! And and at this time, I'm praying. But I'm thinking to myself, I wonder how long this is going to continue. So I just prayed and watched. And that mass of humanity, those gates were wide. A hundred more or more people could come out at one time. But every single one of them, when they passed the, the, the line where those gates had been, did the same thing. They began to shout, dance, leap, and, 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 Scream, we're free. We're free. I can see that in my mind right now. It's as real to me this moment as it was Sunday morning, October the 13th, 1981. I can see that right now. And let me tell you something. I don't know how long I prayed till somewhere in the back of my mind I realized if I didn't hurry up and go get cleaned up for church, I was going to be late for church at 10 o'clock. And I'd been praying since about 4, 4.30. But this is what the Lord said to me as I was kind of coming out of that spirit. He said, I was, I was saying, Lord, this is the revival we're starting today. And he said, no. 
This is not this, this revival today. This is the end time revival. This is the revival that I've promised before I come. This is the revival. This is the revival. I believe it. I believe it. I don't want you to misunderstand me what I'm about to say. I'm almost done. God is not. I'm in the car coming to church tonight. I get a text from my son Joel. Has church started yet? No. Have you got a couple of minutes to receive a text? Yes. It was like 7 o'clock in the morning there. And he sent me this text. Listen before you. Listen to all of it before you react. I don't want you to miss this. I will be texting this to you so you'll have a copy of it. Joel said, the Lord just spoke to me and said that tonight, tonight, he would open a river that has been damned for centuries. That tonight... The Lord will turn his face toward Asia and bring a breakthrough that has not happened since the time of the apostles, bringing the gospel in the early church. My people have been oppressed, and I have heard their cry, and I, the Lord, have given them great authority and victory. Receive that word. Receive that word. My God. Ah. Ah. My God Receive it Believe it The Spirit of the Lord Is here right now Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Receive it. Receive it. Confess it. Confess it. Confess it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I receive it, Jesus. I believe it, Jesus. 
I believe it, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Receive it. Receive it. Believe it. Confess it. Don't ask for it. Claim it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Come on. Come on. Come on. In the name of Jesus. 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 His word is true. His word is faithful. His word is true. His word is faithful. His word is true. Jesus isn't. Come on. Receive it. Believe it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus name. Come on. He got the Santa Tarabatahaya. He Laratabaha Santa Tarabahaya. He Lavacasacatarabahai. He Lavarabacasaya. He Lavacasatarabataya. He Lamonde Yesuki Calaratabahaya. He Lavacosacatahaya. Yes, 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 yes. Hila bakasa katararararabatahaya. Hila borobo koshasa kahaya. I believe your word, Jesus. I receive your word, Jesus. I claim your word, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Yela rata tati e kalarata tati e lararia lorobobokosa tatatabahaya. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I glorify your name, Jesus. I believe your kingdom is being released into the earth right now. I believe in your will, of, will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. Be glorified. In Jesus' name, be glorified, Father. In Jesus' name, be glorified through much fruit. Be glorified, Father, through much fruit. Hallelujah. Come on, let's go a little farther. Come on, let the word find a deep lodging place in our spirits that the adversary can't steal it. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. He ka asaka ta 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 ha ye le le di e ka ha ye. Woo! Ha Yes! 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 Hallelujah! Yes! Yes! Ye kie kalarata talarararialarata dienararamanahaya. Yes! Flow river flow. Flow river flow. Flow river flow. Jesus name Jesus name Jesus name In the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus Yes 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 Ha <laughs> Yes Jesus name Jesus name Jesus name In Jesus name Halalarara bokurata tabahaka satialarara biatahaya Halaramaha sahaya Yes Yes Woo ha ha Yes, 
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, Jesus' name. Hear me, hear me now. This word is not a word that says, well, there's nothing else for you to do. It's not a word that says there's nothing else for you to pray. This is a promise of victory. Press your advantage. Every time Israel had the adversary on the run and they did not pursue them to completely defeat them, they got in big trouble with God. We need to pursue. We need to pursue until the enemy is completely defeated. In the name of Jesus. And we're not selfish. The word did not say Singapore or Bangladesh or or West Malaysia. I mean East Malaysia or the Philippines. It was Asia. It's okay with us if it happens places that nobody even came we're not upset if the river flows in nations that didn't even show in this meeting in the name of Jesus Vietnam and Cambodia and Thailand yes in Nepal Miramar, India, Korea, China, Japan, Taiwan. Yes, 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 Jesus' name. Yes. Jesus name Jesus name Hallelujah 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 Jesus name <laughs> Jesus name You have grounds for great boldness You have grounds for great confidence. You have a basis, a foundation for great expectations and faith. You have that. We need to pursue that. Praise God. God bless you. 
I'm done. Whatever the pastor or Brother Corbin or anybody else wants to do, feel free to do that. The Holy Ghost isn't done, but I am. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's thank the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We want to pray for our guests and friends. Amen. Our brothers and sisters, not from Singapore. They'll be leaving. Some of them will be leaving shortly. So I want to pray for them before we leave them. Amen. If you're a Barnabas, why don't you raise your hands? We want to pray for you. Amen. You're not alone. DJ will be praying for you right now in Jesus name Father we just want to pray God for every one of our Barnabas delegates right now Lord that you bless them let them feel you God Lord let them feel your presence lead and guide them Lord right now watch over them Lord let them go with such a peace Lord such a peace lead them and guide them Lord right now in Jesus name be with them in with demonstration signs and wonders Lord let the kingdom come Sanctify your name, Lord. Lord, in those areas, God of their influence, God, right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. Let's give God praise all over this place. Amen. Bishop, thank you for coming. Amen. Amen. Uh, Mother Wright, thank you for being here. We love you. You know, I just got to say, uh, you really messed me up. <laughs> in a good way. Okay, in my areas of prayer time, now I understand. Amen. Even... Uh, I've got to say this, our prayer meetings, we're going to do it different. With that understanding that we have, we've got to apply what we have learned. Praise God. I, if I were you, I would just listen to those tapes again, or videos, no more tapes, sorry, videos again. And just write down notes, and then we're going to do our prayer meetings really different. Praise God. We have authority, but we have not known how to fight. And the Lord has showed us these few weeks how we ought to fight. Praise God. Amen. Let's have a revival first in our prayer meetings. Amen. Amen. I mean, I don't know about you, but if you don't, 
you will, I mean, how can you leave not coming for prayer meeting after what we heard? We are in spiritual warfare. Amen. And the Bible says we win. Hello? Praise God. I think, you know, there needs to be a revival in our prayer meetings. I think that, you know, in our services, instead of just talking about what's on news and, and so forth, how was your day? We need to walk into that place and start to pray. Amen. There has got to be a revival in our prayer lives. Praise God. Amen. Amen. You know, I just received news, uh, you know, uh, I mean, we have this host uh, movie screening that we'll be showing reason. Uh, right now, we have to book another theater, okay? We, uh, but we have a 311-seater, uh, but then we have to book another 150-seater, okay? So, just for the local congregation itself, that's double. I mean, what happened if God give us all those people? I believe God can give us all those people. Amen. You know what? But before that's going to happen, uh, we're going to have prayer meetings. Amen. Whether on site, or at Tabernacle of Joy, I do not know. We'll give you the details later. But we want your names. Come with your names. We're going to buy and we're going to lose. Amen. God's not going to waste this activity. We want to make this activity uh, work. Amen. And so winning is God's business. Praise God. We are an invading force. Praise God. I, I, I don't know about you. You know, we're going to do something different. And again, please... You know, uh, why don't we just lift our hands one more time and just thank the Lord. Lord, right now, Jesus, God, with this new fire, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God, not just for Singapore. We thank you, God, for nations, God. Nations, Lord. Lord, all over this region right now. Lord, we just give you the praise, give you the honor. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Uh, one more thing before I dismiss you, uh, for all our Barnabas delegate and for those that are online, I've discussed this with uh, Bishop Wright. We're going to make this an annual affair. And we're going to stick it with the last week of March. Third week, sorry, third week of March. Okay, we want to make this something that is always during that period of time so that you can have time to adjust safe. Mark that in your calendars, third week of March. We will give you more details as soon as possible. Praise God. Amen. If you are online, third week of March. Okay, God bless everyone. Shake hands and be friendly. Amen. Thank you for coming.